0: Welcome! you found the Out of the Ordinary Podcast, where we believe that the very best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm
1: Lisa Jo Baker. And a few of my favorite ordinary fall things are snuggly sweaters, crisp, cool evenings, and digging all my boots back out of the closet again. And a few of
0: mine are apples from the local orchard, the cashmere sweater I found at a thrift store, and the first fire in our wood stove.
1: We hope these conversations help you see the extra hidden right in plain sight in your ordinary life, too. Get comfy. Here we go. Well, we're grateful to all the listeners that are back this week after last week was pretty intense, I feel like. (laughs) For as as intense as this podcast gets, but um, if you haven't listened, we did an episode called We Disagree, Now What? And it's definitely worth going back to listen to. So I felt like I would continue that theme today, Christy, and unpack another deep and challenging topic where we might be on separate sides of the argument. But let us unpack quickly here at the beginning the notion of Christmas carols and Christmas music before or after Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's true. It's true. I have a
0: feeling we stand on um uh different ground on this topic. <laughs> well, I feel
1: like so I'm not sure which ground you stand on. And typically I've had quite strong feelings being on the post-Thanksgiving ground when it comes to Christmas music. Okay. But I will confess that this year I was reading a beautiful blog post slash poem by John Blaise, who's your and my one of our favorite writers mm-hmm. and poets to follow. And he referenced the Charlie Brown Christmas where Linus reads that passage, I think from the Gospel of Luke leading into the Annunciation. And then that once, once I heard those words, then immediately I had to go and find on Spotify that little reading that leads into a beautiful Christmas song and... <laughs> Once I started listening to that, Christine Oh no it was a slippery slope, my friend. <laughs> a slippery slope. And now yesterday Zoe was doing math while I blared Christmas carols in the house.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great, Lisa Joe. I feel like if there is any year, any Christmas where I can forgive that, it is this year where I know I've seen on social media friends and family um who normally would be very strict about when they put up their christmas tree for instance right. lots of people are putting up their trees early I have and noticed i think it's just because we're at yeah we're at home and things have been hard and we are just ready for happy we are ready for christmas but so lisa joe so i get it i you know no um no criticism from me except i will share here in our house i am so funny about this as i'm sure you i know <laughs> <have already> guessed <laughs> <laughs> that not only have I always been strict about no um, Christmas music before Thanksgiving, but not only that, Lisa Joe, I keep Christmas music for Christmas. I have Advent playlists. Oh, we listen to wow. Advent music in our house, and so what my kids say is, "What is the Mom, difference, Mom?" You're. Mom, your Christmas music is so sad. Oh, <laughs> that's the difference? <laughs> it's like leaning into the ache and the longing and the yearning. So it's like, you know, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. And um oh, that hymn I love, like, keep, keep, si- all mortal flesh, keep silence. And- yes. <laughs> it's very moody and
1: <laughs> the downer music just say it
0: that's, right it, it is so not cool. jingle bells let me just say but i love my advent music i love it so much i love the i love how it leans into that like shadow side of the season before yeah. you get to the light right and so in my mind i want to soak it up because once we get to christmas that's not that's not the time for those for that you know for that music so i save the christmas music for christmas unless my kids are in charge of of the music and then <laughs> It's like, you know, Santa and all the rest of it. But actually, that reminds me, Lisa Joe. so this week I've been, um, I have actually kind of dipped my toes because I've been listening to a really excellent playlist um, a friend Tamara Murphy made. And she is, um, she's in our Black Barn Collective community. And she will be presenting at an Advent event that we're we're, um, hosting, the Black Barn Collective. And as part of that, she created a playlist for everyone who participates themed around the Annunciation. So because I'm putting the content together, I have access to the material early, and I've been listening to this playlist she created, and it's so beautiful. It's so creative, and I honestly can't believe how many gorgeous songs she found that Reflect on either directly or indirectly the story of Gabriel visiting Mary in her home. So I've been listening to that um, this week. In fact, just before recording with you here, I went for a walk and I was listening to it again. And I was, I was, I realized, wow, when, when Gabriel came to Mary, it was like the extraordinary just broke right into her ordinary. I mean, she was at home, she was in prayer. Um, this young woman, really a girl, and this extraordinary visitation and so I was walking and listening and thinking i don't know if i if I could believe that like do I believe that the extraordinary could ever show up in my home <laughs> in my ordinary? I think in different seasons of my life, maybe, but in this hard year this this 2020 year, I think I have lost touch with that. And I know you and I here on this podcast, we love ordinary. We love ordinary life and we celebrate that. And we are so blessed to like turn our eyes to the ordinary and see um the extraordinary gifts it holds. But I think I think there are seasons. There are times there is this possibility that sometimes um it's not just that you get a new perspective on your ordinary but sometimes you are visited like the extraordinary just breaks in so i was thinking about that this week and i want to i want to lean into that hope it something like rose up in me like maybe maybe this could still happen not exactly like i don't actually expect Gabriel himself in my bedroom. But do you know what I mean by just that extraordinary breaking in and the hope and the joy it brings?
1: I mean, absolutely, especially because the hard thing about 2020 is I think there's been a lot of extraordinary, but none of it has been great. Like, it's all been really bad. There's so much extraordinary awfulness that's happened. <laughs> That's it. I, mean, I hadn't even
0: put that together, but you're right. You're right. So to be, what what might it look like to believe again in an extraordinary that is extraordinarily good, as right? Well? And
1: I think what's helpful once again isn't scripture so wonderful that it's written in a way with intentionality that we can relate when we're coming out of hard things. And so when Mary's announcement happened, she wasn't. Living even her ordinary life was in many ways struggling, right? I mean, they were under an oppressive Roman regime. When she was pregnant, they would have to travel miles and miles for a census that essentially was because of the ego of the ruler at the time. And they were completely, you know, at the mercy of the whim of the powers that be. They didn't have any real autonomy over their own lives. I've wondered often, like, so when you're traveling, when you're like nine months pregnant, and you're on a donkey. And then you're traveling to the city where you don't really know anybody. But what we don't know about is like money. Like how did they have finances? Like Joseph's traveling. How is he working? How is he providing for Mary? These are things that are very much on my mind as someone who has a spouse who's still looking for a job this time of year. There are just a lot of hard things that we experienced this year. That I'm just grateful that with our faith, we have a God who actually has lived a pretty hard, extraordinarily hard life Himself. There's such comfort in that. There's such comfort. And it's funny because for me, Advent has always been about—this is what I've learned from you—it's about remembering to slow down and actually pay attention to the darkness because Christmas is a light that breaks into the darkness. And in order to really appreciate that, we have to pay attention to the darkness first. And so typically, I need Advent to slow me down and get me away from the sparkle and the vacations and the family and the planning and the food and the tinsel. But that is not the case this year, Christy. This year, the darkness feels very heavy. I am aware of it in a way I never have before. This year, I am craving the light. That is what I am looking for. And It's such a strange inversion, and yet at the same time, there's God telling his story in a way that connects so deeply with the story that we are living. And so last week, I feel like on this podcast, we shared a little bit of the weight of the darkness. We did. um, And how it's been heavy for us, but heavy for everybody. Like, there's no one who's untouched by it. No matter what side you're on, no matter what issue it is, no matter what country you're in. We are all wading through a fog of darkness, and it's why when extraordinary, unexpected light shoots through, it just fires us up in the most meaningful ways. And so today, that's part of what we're going to talk about, these glimpses of light here in the dark season. Mm -hmm. Lisa Joe, I feel like I had...
0: I, I'm speaking metaphorically, but I want to lean into it. I, I think the symbolism is real. I feel like I had just this brief flash of almost an angelic visitation on my social media this week. Um, so uh, our listeners know that last week we we did, we leaned into the heart and we we talked about how do we talk? We had a conversation about how do you have a conversation when you disagree? What can that look like? Um, can we find hope for that? And so you and I both shared some recent hard experiences. Um, and Lisa Jo, I had someone reach out to me after that podcast, and I'm just going to read what she shared. I asked her, I asked her permission, and uh, she gave it. And I was so touched by what she shared. It, it, it really was like um, just this intrusion of the extraordinary, I, the last thing I expected in such a light. So she messaged me, and she said, Christy, I would like to apologize to you. I was someone who unfollowed you after your election story. I was struggling with a lot of what was going on and frustrated with what I thought I was hearing from some Christian women. I unfollowed others also. After I listened to your last podcast, I realized I misunderstood what you were trying to convey— I loved the last podcast and appreciate that you and Lisa Joe had the, that difficult conversation. You helped put things back into proper perspective, loving each other, even though I love your Instagram and podcast and look forward to it each week. Mm-hmm. Lisa Joe, I was blown away when we talked through some of that hard last week. Something that was hanging in my mind was the fact that it had been hard for me to sort of step out and share something and try to reach out try to kind of reach a hand across some divides and have so many people just click unfollow that mm-hmm. that was hard it was and what i never expected is that someone would reach back out mm-hmm. and apologize and give me as well a chance to apologize to say i'm sorry too i'm sure i didn't communicate it very well you know i was trying to say something but i could see how it, how I didn't do it well, and and it it, um, it was easily misunderstood, and so she gave me a chance to apologize, and we we just we had this moment of connection, and I never ever expected, you know, it, I'm sure our listeners know if any of you are on social media, um, but especially if you're more public on social media, unfollows and rejection, and even sometimes mean messages are just you know they go along with the territory and and um i feel like it's something you kind of learn to live with but what i don't anticipate what i what i don't expect is that that you know what this woman did that that reaching out across that coming back around that refollowing i mean who's ever heard mm. of that like we we talk about unfollowing or blocking but but refollowing it was such a beautiful gesture and such a kind message and totally unexpected.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, when you shared it with me, I really I tears welled up in my eyes because it's so it was just not the thing people do on right. social media. Right. Yeah. And it was a gift. It felt like a gift because it had been a conversation that you and I really didn't know quite how it would be received. I know we both listened to the whole episode before it was live. I've I've even I do this weird thing that I actually think I I used to think everybody does it, but I've learned it's to do with my more to do with being a two on the Enneagram. So I do this. It's so weird. I can't believe I'm gonna admit this. I'm now I want to hear from other people to see if you do this. I do this thing where if I've written something or I've recorded something, even if I've proofed it, I've listened to it myself. If I hear a comment from somebody about it, then I immediately go back and re-listen or re-read from their perspective. Uh, Isn't that crazy? It's like I can, suddenly I like want to step into their shoes as if someone's from the, for the first time, like engaging with this material. And so my brain does this weird thing thing where it tries to trick me into thinking, oh, now you're reading it like so and so. This is how they experience it. And so I kept trying to do that with this episode, wondering how would it how would it hit people, you know, how would it connect with them? And so I have had just extraordinary moments too. So many messages coming through from folks to say sort of themes of either thank you for helping me figure out How to create space for somebody else, even if I don't agree with them. And especially if that person has maybe been painful to interact with, what does it look like to hold space? Just the language we talked last week about how do you hold space for somebody else? You don't have to hold the person, but how do you hold space? And you and I have talked about that. When you put language around something, it's very empowering and it helps you understand what it is you're trying to do. We're not going to be bosom buddies with everybody. But we can hold space, and it's especially painful when we're trying to figure out how to do it in our own families. So we heard from listeners who the conversation last week gave them language for what they're trying to accomplish around their own tables. And anytime you hear that a conversation or something you wrote or created was actually (laughs) helpful—
0: To somebody else.
1: It's so (laughs) rewarding. (laughs) Yeah. It's so rewarding. So, just thank you to those who've reached out to us. But now I feel like I'm going to move from the sublime to the ridiculous. And you know (laughs) what I'm going to talk about because it's so (laughs) crazy. But it is like, I really feel like metaphoric in terms of this idea of sometimes things we think are finished, that cannot be resurrected, that are done. I mean, the nation of Israel was at that point, right? Like, where's the Messiah? Where's the Messiah? And completely out of Nazareth, can anything good come? Like places you don't expect, like good things can come. And you guys, there's so much more profound stories I could share this week from my personal life, from dear family members who've been very, very sick, um, very sad stories we've walked the last couple of weeks, but I feel almost like they're too tender to talk about. So instead, I'm going to share a little slice of the ridiculous with you. So, so here we go. <laughs> And I'm going to guess I got to give like a PTSD trigger warning. This is a pet story. If you have children listening, it has a happy ending. Okay. But be warned. So there's some danger to pets involved in this story. <laughs> okay. I am not laughing am glad you,
0: pet. I'm glad you gave that warning. That's yes. Good.
1: <laughs> it's an important warning. Okay. Here we go. So we have four cats. Oh, and you have four? Yeah. I'm sorry,
0: I didn't expect you to say that. There wow, you go. We, we have wow. Ha-
1: we have had four cats. Let me put it okay. that way. Okay. We at one time <laughs> had four cats. Okay. And um there were two adult cats and then two kittens. And mm-hmm. at one point, when the kittens were quite young, tragically, they had both crawled up into the wheel well of one of our cars, which is the strange thing I guess I've learned since then cats do to stay warm. And my husband talks about how it was on the highway to Washington, D.C., and he said, I just felt like I could hear a kitten. It was so weird. And so he pulled over to a gas station. It was pouring rain. <laughs> it was pouring cats and dogs. <laughs> and... uh <laughs> He didn't have an umbrella, but he said he like crawled under the car and there was this kitten like lodged up like in the engine essentially of the car and he rescued her. He got her out. We were so excited. He took her into work. The students loved having this little kitten all day, brought her home. Um, But sadly that night, her sister just didn't show up. We were rejoicing over the one that was found, but clearly one of them did not. You know, was not rescued in the same way. So, this kitten that was saved all these years ago, we renamed Lucky because we just could not believe that this cat had survived. Okay. You think that's the sad and gruesome story, and it is not. We are still getting there. So, anyway. (laughs) This cat, we have Lucky and he's a male cat and we have two females and the females stick pretty close to the house. So you should just know we live on kind of a large property, large-ish, it's only like an acre, but the cats are outdoor cats. We got them because they were born from a barn cat mother and we wanted them to control the mice population, which clearly they have not done a good job because if you listened to my other episode about how a mice fried our air conditioning this summer, I still hold a grudge against our cats. Anyway. They live outside, and the, the male cats will wander pretty far, and Lucky will do that. He'll go on all these adventures, and then our whole neighborhood knows him. Everybody knows that it's our cat, and he comes home every evening for dinner. But my kids love this cat, even though for me, in my mind, he has abandoned us. You know, he is unfaithful (laughs) to our family. He does not hunt mice the way I want him to. Okay. (laughs) But he shows up faithfully for food and then hisses at me when I try to interact with him. But he loves my children, particularly my two youngest, and they pet him and love him. Love this dumb cat, whose name is Lucky. So, We fast forward to the last two weeks, which have been quite brutal for our family. It's been very difficult. A lot of very, very sad things have happened, and it's been grueling, to say the least, to get through it all. And we were starting to emerge from some of the haze, and I was traveling by myself to our amazing church where they let me work in a little spare office. And as I pulled off, it was a lovely sunny morning and I made my way down a winding road here called Forest Road and it is lined with trees on either side. It's incredibly beautiful. And I kid you not, as I pull around a corner on the dead center line of the road is lying an unmoving cat. And I look at it and I think, oh no, no. Because many a time, driving that road at night, I have nearly hit our cat Lucky. And I've even said to my husband, that cat is going to get hit one of these nights. Why is he so foolish? He's a black cat with tiny little white markings dashing across the road. Does he have a suicide wish? Like, what is his problem? So there it is. This cat lying on the, the center line. And I it was like I was watching what I had predicted happen. There it was. So I had several thoughts race through my mind all at once. Number one, thank goodness none of the children are in this car with me. Number two, I can't leave that cat there to just be in the side of the road and demolished by future traffic. Number three, do I have a shovel? Like, what am I going to do to pick (laughs) up this cat? Number four, how am I going to break this news to my children? Oh, dear God, I cannot. I cannot have this conversation with them. Number five, you don't need to. Children don't need to know everything. This cat wanders far and wide. We will just tell him there's another family who's so happy to be taking care of this cat. So I walk to the center of the road. I gently (laughs) remove the body (laughs) to the side of the road. I place it in a ditch. (laughs) I scatter some leaves over it and whisper a prayer. I then go to my car and I'm very glad I have hand sanitizer on hand. (laughs) I drive to work while sending frantic messages to all of my friends saying, this is definitely something I don't tell my children, right? And they're all like, you definitely do not tell your children that this happened. I took a photo of the cat so I could show my husband. And he agreed with me later that night that indeed it was Lucky who had been unlucky time passes. I try not to have guilty feelings <laughs> about this cat, but I'm convinced I have made the right decision. I kid you not, the next morning, my husband comes rushing down to our bedroom and is like, Lisa Joe, Lisa Joe, you're not going to believe it. Lucky is outside eating breakfast. <laughs> and I'm like, what? No, he goes, are you sure the cat was dead? I'm like, Peter, the phrase stiff as a board came from somewhere. Okay, <gasps> The cat was definitely dead. And he's like, I'm telling you, the cat is out there eating. And I'm like, well, okay, I misidentified whoever's cat died. And I'm now wow. glad for many things. One, that I did not tell my children. Two, that I didn't bury the cat because maybe some other family needs closure. Three, that I did leave it in a noticeable spot on the side of the road so that some other family can mourn the passing of their beloved pet, or not, depending on their life choices. (laughs) But it was surreal that this cat that I was sure was dead, I took photographs of it, is like standing outside my back door eating food. And all I could think is, sometimes things you think are dead are not dead. Sometimes... Everything that your eyes tell you about the thing that you treasure, that you think is gone, your eyes are not telling the whole story. And it is so weird and macabre, maybe, for some of our listeners, for me to like make a spiritual analogy with this cat, because clearly some cat is dead. So I'm sorry about that. And I'm really conflicted about the story and what your reactions are, people who are listening <laughs> right now. Please don't judge me. Please don't tell my children the story if you're in our church. They don't know it. Please do not repeat the story, okay? <laughs> I would like to be able to lie in future with impunity <laughs> if one of our pets dies. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I can't stop thinking about it. Hmm. I don't know what to make of it exactly exactly. But I had the day before, been talking to a friend saying, faith is so strange because it's hard to understand how God operates because constantly it feels like things are being taken from us and it's painful and sad. But man, there are just moments, I guess, that we cannot predict where extraordinary things happen in the middle of our ordinary days. I would have bet a million dollars that that cat was 100% never coming to our house again. And the fact that he showed up for breakfast is so mind-blowing to me that it just jarred me enough. It was almost like the story was shocking and weird enough that I felt like there was like a wink from God to say, listen, listen, you just don't know. You just don't know. Sometimes dead things are not dead. It's so good. I it's love so it. It's so weird. I know somebody <laughs> is judging me right now and unfollowing me, and I'm sorry, <laughs> but this is how my week has been.
0: Oh, I love it, Lisa Joe. that even in 2020— the dead cat you pull off the road. <laughs> <laughs> so messed up. Might not be your beloved Lucky. Or maybe cats do have nine lives. I don't know. I don't know. But the, <laughs> I think the moral of the story is that we just don't know. And maybe this year <laughs> has kind of dragged us down. I know it has made just enough that we're now expecting bad things. We're expecting yeah. hard things. And yes, there will be hard and bad. But um that's not all there is. There is also, you know, these moments when something extraordinary breaks in, the clouds part, we see the light again. The light is still there. And yes, that is why I love Advent that leads us into Christmas. It's why I start with my my achy, dark, mournful Advent music. And then um, even me, Enneagram 4, I lean into all the happy <laughs> Christmas carols. So I guess, yeah, just to remember that that is also possible. We, no matter what this year has brought, we are still right to hope. We are not foolish to hope. We are um, trusting children of a good God when we hope and when we keep our eyes open to the possibility that uh, an angel might just
1: show up when we least expect it. If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image
0: and we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends so tell a friend click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link